<clears throat> We're going to talk about the language of wellness. Uh, not only does God want us to be healed, He wants us to stay healed. And so, one of the very important Bible principles God has given us in order to stay healed is we've got to say what God says about us and about our healing. So, and, and we've got to focus on what the Word of God says about healing and not our own experience of healing and not somebody else's experience of healing. So, I want to talk about the language of wellness and a little bit of what I, some of the scriptures I'm talking about today will be on that CD, but it, it's a little bit different uh, because I'm, I'm focusing uh, especially on healing. And this is, um, this is where a lot of Christians get tripped up, where healing is concerned. Let's turn to Proverbs 18. Proverbs 18. read this. I know we've got different translations again, but let's read this out loud together. Proverbs 18, 21. One, two, three. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. In the Amplified Translation, it says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they who indulge in it shall eat the fruit of it, for life or death. The Message Translation says this. This is good. Words kill, words give life. They're either poison or fruit. You choose. Okay? Your tongue has something to do with living and dying. The words that you speak have something to do with the length of your life and the quality of your life. And that's what we're going to look at in this session. Your talk precedes your walk. Now let's turn to Numbers chapter 20. Numbers chapter 20. Did you say number 20? Uh-huh. Uh, verse 8. This is God speaking to Moses. They're out in the wilderness. <coughs> Take the rod and gather thou the assembly together, thou and Aaron thy brother, 
And speak each unto the rock before their eyes, and it shall give forth his water. And thou shalt bring forth to them water out of the rock, so thou shalt give the congregation and their beasts drink. And Moses lifted up his hand, and with his rod he smote the rock twice, and the water came out abundantly, and the congregation drank, and their beasts also. Notice Moses did not do what God instructed him to do. And this incident is what kept Moses out of the promised land. God said, speak to the rock. The Bible says Moses lifted his rod and he struck the rock. This is what, this is, this failure to obey God is what kept Moses out of the promised land. Now you might think, boy, this is not that big of a deal. I mean, why such a severe uh, consequence, you know, that he did not get to go to the promised land? I mean, what's the big deal? God said speak to the rock. He struck it. I mean, what, what's, what's the big deal? After all, Moses is thinking, well, the last time we needed something, I struck the rock and it worked. I'll just do the same thing again. It worked last time. God didn't say strike the rock again. He said speak to the rock. Now, God, why did God say speak to the rock in the presence of all these people? God wanted to demonstrate the power of the spoken word to the Israelites. And God did not do that. Now, Moses did not do that. He wanted to demonstrate the power of words and the power of the spoken word. God instructed Moses to speak to the rock for two reasons. To take him to his destiny, which is the promised land. And that's why his failure to obey God in this situation resulted in him not going to the promised land and not obtaining his destiny. And I'm telling you, there are Christians that are missing their destiny. They're missing their destiny on the earth. They're missing out on all the benefits and the blessings of God. The promised land in the Bible is not a type of heaven. It's a type of abundant living on the earth. The promised land was on earth. It wasn't in heaven. God was trying to get them out of the wilderness and said, Go to the promised land. This is the place of abundance. I've provided for you here and now. So the promised land is a type of abundant, victorious living and the blessings of God on the earth, not when we get to heaven. The second reason God wanted Moses to speak to the rock was to create what they needed. What did they need? Water. When you are in the desert, you need water. <laughs> okay? So, in order to create what they needed, God said, speak to the rock. So, what if you're sick and you need to be healed, what do you need to do? You need to speak to the sickness and disease and command it to leave your body and you need to speak the word of God to establish 
healing that already belongs to you. Now, one of the principles of faith you have to apply in healing is to get into agreement with God. And I'm not talking about mentally agreeing that the Bible's true. Faith is not a mental force, it's a spiritual force. The way you get into agreement with God is to say what God says and act like it's true. Now, 1 Peter 2.24 This is... Um, 1 Peter 2.24 This is a good, good healing scripture and one that you will learn to use frequently. Who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree that we being dead to sins should live unto righteousness by whose stripes ye were healed. It doesn't say you're going to be healed. You were healed. Is that past, present, or future? Past. Past. You were healed. As far as God is concerned, from, from God's viewpoint, not from our viewpoint on earth, from God's viewpoint, looking at what Jesus did on the cross, you were healed. As far as God's concerned, uh, our scripture that I put on the leaflet, Psalm 107.20, He sent His Word and healed them. You will notice that scripture does not say He sent His Word to heal them. It says He sent His Word and healed them. As far as God's concerned, it healed. When God, when God sent His Word as far as He's concerned, it healed them. So this, does, this is not, can you see the difference between this and, say, and people that say, well, in God's timing, this is, it's already done. From God's point of view, it's already, it's past. Looking at the redemptive work of Jesus on the cross, this says, in his own body on the tree, he bore our sins. Well, Matthew 8, 17 says he also bore our sicknesses and diseases. And we might get around to that, but that's a good one to write down, Matthew 8, 17. So, this is past tense. You were healed. And if we were healed, then we are healed. This is a reference to Isaiah 53, where Isaiah was speaking prophetically concerning Jesus on the cross. And he was, he was saying, you are healed, now on the basis of what Jesus is going to do on the cross in the future, and Peter is saying, you were healed on the basis of looking back and what Jesus has already done on the cross. So, if you were healed, you are healed now. In order to agree with God that you are healed, then you cannot agree with the devil by speaking your circumstances. And I hope that as we go through this, you'll be able to, to see uh, what I'm talking about here. You'll, you'll be able to see from the Bible. Now, somebody might say, and, and this is where people, Christians, have a hard time, especially on healing. Uh, they say, well, I can't, 
I can't say something if I don't see it. They, they can't say they're healed when it looks to them that they're not healed. You know? They, they have a hard time saying, well, <clears throat> the Bible says I'm already healed. When their body's telling them something different. And it's, it's not easy to do. It's not easy to do. And this is where revelation of the Word comes in. When you get revelation that Jesus has already borne my sicknesses and carried my diseases, I may be having symptoms in my body right now, but they don't belong to me. Jesus has already borne mine, and this does not belong to me. By His stripes I was healed, and if I was healed, I am healed. And that's what I believe, and that's what I'm in agreement with. Now, we're getting into agreement with God's Word. Now, this is not elementary baby Bible, okay? We're, we're getting into more advanced uh, principles of the Word of God. So I'm taking you quite quickly from elementary to advanced, but that's part of, if you read my mission statement, part of, of, of uh, my mission statement is to bring Christians from the elementary principles of God's Word onto more mature adulthood. Okay? Like Anne said, we're... We're, we're, we're supposed to be going from glory to glory. And if we, if people after 30 years of going to church are still in that, you know, same place, then there's something wrong. You know, because the Bible says, desire the sincere milk of the Word that you may grow by there. If you're just getting the milk of the Word, you should be growing. So when Christians are not growing, it's obvious they're not even getting the milk of the Word. They're, not, they're being fed cotton candy or jelly beans or something, you know, other than the Word of God. Because if you're getting even the milk, you will grow. So part of my ministry is to take Christians from the elementary principles and, and bring them on up so that we can be in the fullness of His image. Meat instead of milk. Yeah, yeah. Meat instead of milk. So what I'm giving you today is some meat. And I, I hope you can digest it and swallow it. Uh, and I believe you can. <laughs> Amen? And you will grow. And you will grow quickly. Now, so people will say, I can't believe something that I can't see yet. But they do it on the negative side of life all the time. You know, they, they, they start believing for something before it's even happened. You know, you hear people say, well, I always get the flu this time of year. You know, they just sneeze one time. Well, it's flu season. They have, you know, they're already getting ready to be sick. You know, now they're believing something they haven't even seen yet. They're already preparing for something they haven't even seen manifested. And they do it all the time on the negative side of life. But you try to get them over on what the Bible says about believing what they can't see, and it becomes a, an obstacle to them. But because they do it on the negative side of life all the time, they can do it. They can believe what they can't see. When you operate in faith, you are not dealing with the unknown. You are dealing with the unseen. And this is where you know, Christians get stuck. They get stuck on faith and they get stuck on faith teaching 
We're not in, in the principles of faith in the Word of God. We're not dealing with the unknown. We're just dealing with the unseen. There's a whole unseen spirit realm. You know, in, in the spirit realm, there are angels around this room. We can't see them because they're in the spirit realm. But they're here. I believe it because the Word of God says it. I don't have to see them. You know. So, you're not dealing with something that does not exist. You're just dealing with something you cannot see in the natural realm. And this is something we've got to understand in the area of healing. Now, Hebrews 3, verse 1. Hebrews 3, verse 1. And this is all tied in to the words that we speak. Hebrews 3, 1. Wherefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our profession, Christ Jesus. Jesus is the high priest of your... This is he's the high priest of our profession or confession. Some translations uh, use the word confession instead of profession. Jesus is the high priest of our profession or our confession of the word of God. So part of the present high priestly ministry of Jesus is to back up our words of confession. When we confess God's word, it's part of his ministry to see to it that those words come to pass when we speak God's word. Uh, most Christians are not speaking God's word about their circumstances. They're speaking something else. Now, um, back in September, I spoke at a fellowship in Guilford, and I saw a lady there before it started, and she used to come to my meetings quite regular in Guilford. And then when we, we, had, we moved to another location, she said, oh, I won't be able to come because my husband, had, I won't be able to take the bus. And my husband doesn't, you know, he doesn't drive very well. So he, he probably, he isn't going to be able to take me to that side of town. So she quit coming. Now, I happen to know this lady has been in some serious serious attacks on her body in the time I've known her. I guess altogether maybe 10 years or more. She's had some real health problems. And to be honest, I think it's a miracle she's still alive today considering where she goes to church. I'm not sure they even believe in healing. Uh, I don't know if they even agree with healing. I think they're probably the persuasion that that's passed away. You know, like a lot of other things in the Bible. Uh, so it's a miracle she's still living considering what, what she's been through. She's surrounded by other believers who are of the same persuasion. They go to the same church and they get the same teaching. Uh, and so they're, you know, they're, they're not uh, helping her at all in this area. And she's heard me a number of number of times talk about this and faith the principles of agreeing with the word of God and saying what God says and I'm sure Ann probably will touch a little bit more on it this afternoon but this lady when I saw this lady I was thrilled to see her and I thought she looked very good 
to look at this woman, you would not know there was anything wrong with her. And if she began to list off what all she's had wrong with her, you'd be surprised because to look at her, she doesn't, you know, you wouldn't notice anything wrong with her. But I know some of what she's been through. And uh, when I saw her, I said, I'm so glad to see you. You look so well. And immediately she said, no, I'm not. Actually, I've had a bad week. And I think when she said it, she kind of called herself and she thought, oh, I shouldn't have said that, you know. Um, but it jumped out of her mouth. And I thought, you know, of all the times, of all the times, I have talked, you know, I, I've talked about this, but, but I, feel, I really feel for this lady because she is surrounded by people, some of whom are probably not even born again, and they're all talking their problems, and they're all talking about their poor health, and that's why I'm, it's a miracle this lady's still alive. And, and she, but this immediately jumped out of her mouth. No, I'm not. I, I had a bad week, actually. And so I began to kind of try to get her back over, you know, on speaking what God, you know, she's, to try to, to get her in agreement with God. Now, I'm not saying to pretend that you don't have symptoms. And sometimes people take this the wrong way and they think, well, you're just denying sickness and all that. You have to be a nut to deny cancer exists and arthritis and all this. That's not what we're teaching. I, we're not denying that sickness exists. We're just denying it to right to exist in our bodies because we've been redeemed from it. Healing is part of redemption. And Christ, the, Jesus has already borne our sicknesses and carried our diseases and his body on the cross, and by his stripes we were healed. So denying symptoms will not make you well. That's what the Christian science movement teaches. They just deny they have a broken leg, you know, or something, you know. Um, and I think probably way back when that started, I think it probably did begin with a confession of God's Word. And somewhere along the line, they got off the Word of God and they just got over into denying any kind of sickness at all. No, I don't have a broken leg, you know. The Bible doesn't say to deny. It doesn't say call things that are as though they're not. It says call things that are not as though they were. Well, what is not? You're not healed. Symptom outwardly. You may not look healed. You may not feel healed. The Bible says call those things that are not as though they were. So we call what we don't have. We call for healing. We call for what we cannot see. That's what we're doing when we speak the word of God. So not only is Jesus backing your words when you speak the word of God, you have somebody else listening to your words, the angels. Turn to Hebrews 1. Just turn the page back there to Hebrews 1, 13. But to which of the angels said he at any time, Sit on my right hand until I make thine enemies thy footstool? Are they, talking about the angels, not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for them who shall be heirs of salvation? Psalm 103.20. We won't turn there, but it talks about angels 
the angels who hearken to the voice of God's word. So when we speak the word of God concerning healing, and what the Bible says about healing belongs to us, it's ours now, we have Jesus in his high priestly ministry backing up our words, the high priest of our confession. He's saying, they're believing my word. I'm, I'm, I'm performing my word. I'm going to back them up. They're saying what I say. They're not saying something else. God, Jesus can't back up something else. He can only back up his word. The angels hearken to the voice of God's word. So, we have G, the ministry of Jesus. We have the ministry of, of angels. So, when we speak God's word, the angels are listening. And it's part of their ministry is to bring it to pass. But when we speak something else other than what the Word of God says, when I jumped out of that lady, she said, "No, I'm I'm actually bad. You know, I'm not. I don't look well. I look bad." The angels just have to stop. I mean, because they haven't been sent to bring those words to pass. Do you, do you see? They've been. They're serving God, and they're part of their ministry is to perform the Word of God. So when we're speaking something else that's not the Word of God, they just have to sit back, you know, and whenever they get ready to say something else that's in agreement with the Word of God, now we can get busy again. Okay? So that's these are two very powerful ministries that we have backing up the Word of God. You can't continue to talk about sickness and poor health and expect to get healed. Or if you have been healed and you go back to speaking the problem and sickness and disease, you're not going to stay healed for very long. And this is another word person because people don't know this principle. They get healed. A few weeks or months later, the symptoms start coming back on their body. They don't know why. They don't know their words have something to do with it. When it starts happening, they don't know what to do about it. They don't know they need to be confessing the Word of God to stay healed. They don't know they need to keep hearing the Word of God to stay healed. And they think, well, I thought I was healed. They were healed. But if you can get healed, you can also lose your healing. And there, this is where we have to be taught. Because I mentioned Brother Roberts earlier. Uh, he used to go to and have these great healing revivals and meetings, and hundreds and hundreds of people would get healed. And a few weeks later, another ministry would come in town, and the people would come up to him and say, I was healed three months ago in Brother Robert's meeting, but all the symptoms have come back on me. And so this minister realized, and God revealed to them, that the people have to be taught how to keep their healing, what to do when the symptoms begin to come back, how to use the Word of God as a sword and a tool and a, a medicine. The Word of God refers to the, to the Bible as medicine. And so when we speak the Word of God, we're taking our medicine, our spiritual medicine, just like you would take a prescription medicine. We have to take the Word of God as medicine. So. This ministry began to teach people how to stay healed when they get healed, regardless of how they get healed. We have to be taught how to stay healed. 
And because people don't know this Bible principle about life and death or in the power of the tongue, it opens the door for the devil to come back and bring all the symptoms on them again, and they don't know how this happened. It's his deception. So that's why we're teaching this. Now, there's a wonderful Bible teacher called Charles Capps, and he's, he's from my home state of Arkansas. Uh, he's a retired farmer. He farmed for many years. And he has a real gift of taking spiritual principles and making them very, very easy to understand and put them, putting them in simple terms. And he says, he has a saying, don't call the dog if you want the cat. Don't call the dog if you want the cat. If you want healing, you can't keep calling for sickness. You can't keep t talking sickness. You can't keep talking poor health. You can't keep talking, well, you know, I went down here for prayer and it didn't really do any good. I guess it's just not God's timing for me. And I went to the doctor and he says I'm not getting any better and all this, you know. Don't call the dog if you want the cat. If you go out the back door and you see the dog sitting there at the back door, you don't need to call the dog. He's already there. You call the cat if you can't see the cat. And you keep calling the cat till the cat comes. You keep speaking the word of God concerning healing till it comes. You don't keep talking sickness and disease that you can see in your body and feel in your body. You don't keep talking poor health because you're, you're maintaining it. You're propagating the poor health that you're trying to get rid of. You've got the, this cycle is going. So people say, I can't say something that I can't see. Well, they, they call the cat when they can't see the cat. Why can't they call for healing when they can't feel it in their body? You see, what I'm, this, is a, this is a spiritual principle that I'm, I'm trying to get across. Psalm 107 verse 2 says, Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Say so. Let the redeemed of the Lord say, I'm redeemed. Does it say, let the redeemed of the Lord say, well, I'm sick, and no, I'm not doing very good, and, you know, this is what the doctor said. He said, I'll have to live with this the rest of my life. I'll have to take this medicine. Is that what the redeemed are supposed to be saying? No, we're not denying we're not denying what the doctor said. He's given his medical opinion. That's what he's trained to do. That's all he knows. And if he's not a Christian, he hasn't got a clue about your faith, you know, what you're believing God for. So we, we're, not, we're not pouncing on the doctors. They're just doing what they're trained to do. But I'm just saying the doctor's word is not the final word. Amen? We got a higher, we got a higher word. And, and many times there's an advantage in going to the doctor just to find out what you're dealing with, you know. And he puts a name to it. Now you've got something to focus your faith on. You know, high blood pressure or diabetes or whatever. The Bible says we have been given a name, Jesus, which is above every name. And at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow and every 
tongue shall confess. Well, diabetes is a name. Arthritis is a name. Cancer is a name. The name of Jesus is higher than those names. The, those names have to bow to the name of Jesus. So we're not denying sickness and disease. We're not do denying doctors or anything like that. They're doing their job and trying to help us to get well in the natural side, but we're, we're just putting into motion a higher, a higher law, which is God's Word. Now, let's look at Luke 7, uh, let's see, let's look at Ephesians 4. Ephesians 4. Verse 29 and 30. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. Paul says, do not let any corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to edify, grieve not the Holy Spirit of God. If we are confessing something other than the Word of God, we're grieving the Holy Spirit, we bound the angels, Jesus cannot get involved because we're speaking something else, besides his word. So we're binding up everybody with the words of our mouth. We're grieving the Holy Spirit. We're not speaking what God's word says. And Paul says, grieve not the Holy Spirit of God. Do not let corrupt communication. He goes on in James it says, does bitter water and sweet water come out of the same fountain? No. So faith and unbelief shouldn't be coming out of the same mouth. You know what I mean? That's why we got to get the Word of God in our heart because Jesus said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. That's why when I saw that lady a couple of months ago and I said, you look so good. And she said, no, I'm not. Her heart is full of that. Her heart is not full of the Word of God yet. And for all the reasons that I mentioned, she's not in a church where it could possibly be. And, and unless she's doing it on her own at home, which is possible, because that's how I got started at it, uh, unless she's feeding herself at home, she has no way to get the Word of God in there. But that's why it, those words jumped out of her, because her heart is, is full of, no, I'm not doing well. No, actually, I've had a bad week. I went back to the doctor, blah, blah. Out of her heart didn't jump the Word of God. Because her heart's not full of it yet. So, let me give you some statistics on words. The average person spends one-fifth of their life talking. That's 13 years of your life you spend speaking words. And words set the cornerstone of your life. Men speak an average of 25,000 words per day. Women, 
30,000 words per day. <laughs> I won't say any more about that. <laughs> Hallelujah for the women. <laughs> what you say in that one-fifth of your life sets the cornerstone for the rest of your life. It determines the quality and quantity of your life. Now talked about uh, out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks. Let's just turn to Matthew 12. This is where Jesus talked about words. He did a little discourse here on words in Matthew 12. And he talked about the origin of words and why they're so powerful. Matthew 12, 34 to 37. O generation of vipers, how can you be evil? Speak good things. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. A good man out of the good treasure of the heart bringeth forth good things. And an evil man, or a negative man, out of the negative treasure or deposit bringeth forth negative things. That's why this woman jumped out, you know, her words jumped out when I said, you look so good. She says, no, actually I'm not. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Uh, and, and a negative man out of a negative treasure bringeth forth negative things. She's surrounded by negative people. She has, people are, other people are talking about their poor health, and for some reason, people with poor health tend to connect up with other people with bad health, and they all get together and they start talking about their doctor's appointments, and this is what the doctor told me, and this is what the doctor, and, and if they're not even born again, you know, and she's not going to a church where they even believe in healing, it, it's, it's natural, and, and I'm... And I'm feel for her, you know. That's why I was really sad when she's quit coming to to the meetings. Uh, but I saw her, where I saw her was literally five minutes from where we meet in Guilford. So if she was able to get to the other meeting, I don't know if she rode with someone, but if she could get to the other meeting, she could, she could surely get five minutes down the road where we meet. So, spoken words Program your heart to success or defeat, sickness or wellness. Jesus said here, your heart and your mouth are connected. And that's why that woman said, no, I'm not doing well. That's what's in her heart. That's the way she sees herself. She cannot, she's not to the place yet in the Word where she can see herself healed. She sees herself in poor health and she continues to talk about it. And that's why I'm saying it's a miracle she's still alive. And praise God, I'm, I'm, I'm just believing she's, somehow she's going to get it. Hopefully, she, she took that CD away with her and she'll listen to it over and over. So don't joke about your health. I can remember uh, when I was growing up, my parents owned a department store. And a man came in one day. He didn't live in our town. He lived in another town. But I recognized who he was because he was like a friend of my aunt. His mother was a friend. And when he walked in the store, 
Uh, I didn't know anything about what I'm talking to you about today. And it's only by the Holy Spirit, I think, He brought this instance back to me to share when I talk about this. Uh, and my father said, when he came in the door, my father said, Well, Billy, how are you doing today? And this is what jumped out of his mouth. He said, Well, I got one foot in the grave and the other on the banana peel. <laughs> now that's what came out of his mouth. Now, I happen to know he was an usher in his church where he went to church. He went to church over in another town. But I, when I, I, in the future, I was going to live in that town and work there. And I was going to the same church where he went, which also didn't teach anything. And they didn't really preach salvation or anything else. That's when I was still in a denominational church. But uh, I was filled with the Holy Spirit then. So my spirit was awakening to the deeper things of God. And I knew, I knew there was... There was more, and I wanted it. But I knew, no, he was an usher in his church. And I would say, I don't remember exactly what year that was, but I would say probably within five or six years, he was dead. From the time, from the time he walked in my parents' store and made that statement. Now, what happened? He was cursing his own fig tree. Jesus cursed the fig tree by speaking words to it. No man eat fruit of you again forever. And he turned around and he walked off. So is the power. Jesus was demonstrating the power of the spoken word and the way faith is released by speaking it. That man spoke death to his own body. He, he was cursing his own fig tree. He was not even aware of it. Uh, An uh, article came out in the Reader's Digest about a survey, a medical trial that was carried out in America, Yale University and a, a, I think Boston College or something did a medical trial. And they took a group of people, uh, all kind of a same age group. They had all been um, examined by doctors and they were all considered to be in the same category of health. There wasn't anybody there with especially poor health or excellent health. They were just all basically general good health. And they gave them a questionnaire about their health. And they asked them to rate their health different categories. Um, excellent, good, fair, or poor. They were to fill out this questionnaire. And this questionnaire revealed that the people, the people that all answered that questionnaire as being in poor health, they were many times more likely to die within five years of that questionnaire. And the people who rated themselves in excellent health live many years longer than the group that envisioned. They saw themselves in poor health. They talked about their poor health. Their health was no poor, no worse than the other people. Doctors had already established that. Their, their health was no worse than the other group, 
But they saw themselves in poor health. They talked about their poor health. And it played out in their life. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Words kill, words give life. For good fruit or poison, you choose. Now, let's turn to uh, <coughs> let's turn to Proverbs 15. Try to wind it down here, which is not very easy to do. But Proverbs. Let's just look at a few scriptures here about Proverbs 15. Proverbs is absolutely chock full of scripture on words and their consequences. Proverbs 15:4. A wholesome tongue is a tree of life, but perverseness therein is a breach in the spirit. The Amplified Bible says, a gentle tongue with its healing power is a tree of life, but willful contrariness in it breaks down the spirit. When people are not speaking the word of God and they start speaking something else contrary, they continually talk about their symptoms, they continually talk about being in poor health, they're breaking down their, their, their spirit. Their spirit man, their spirit man is, uh, is being weakened. Their immune system's being weakened. God built the immune system into a physical body as a, a means of protecting us from illness in the first place and to, to resist germs and disease when they try to come on us. So many times we're exposed to sickness and they never even develop into symptoms because our immune system has repelled it. But, but with the words of your mouth, you can break down your immune system where it cannot even resist sickness and disease. And many people are doing that and they don't even realize it with the, with the words of their mouth. Uh, Proverbs 12, 18. Another thing about break, perverseness therein breaks down the spirit. Um, it's out of your, Jesus said, out, out of the abundance of the heart or the spirit, the mouth speaks. Your spirit is where faith is generated. You hear the word of God, that's where faith is generated. And you're destroying your faith. You're destroying your faith when you continually speak something else other than what God says and you're continually talking about poor health, you're deteriorating your faith so that when you release your words, then when, when you suddenly try to say the word of God, there's no faith in it. There's no power behind it because you've been believing something else. You've been believing your health is poor. And then when you, you try to say... By the stripes, I'm Jesus, Jesus, I'm healed. You don't believe it because your, your spirit is, in, is unable to release any faith in it. So this is, this is the importance of, of learning how to protect our spirit and with the words we speak. Proverbs 12, 18. 
there is that speaketh like the piercings of a sword, but the tongue of the wise is health. The Amplified Bible says there are those who speak rashly like the piercing of a sword, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. The tongue of the wise talks health. The tongue of the wise talks life and healing. Proverbs 13.3, same page. This is a good one. He that keepeth his mouth keepeth his life. But he that openeth wide his lips shall have destruction. Now you can't get much plainer than this. How your words are connected to the length of your life and the quality of your life. And our time here on earth and our quality of health is not just all up to God. Okay? We have something to say about it in our words. And you can see now why Satan has programmed people <coughs> to talk negative. He's programmed them to say what the world says. Because the whole world is negative. The whole world is talking death, destruction. I'm getting the flu. And when, you know, have you had your flu shot yet and all this? The whole world's talking about getting the flu right about now, this season. And, and it's easy to get drawn into it if you don't realize what the Word of God says. Then you start talking that way. And guess what? When, when, you, when somebody says, well, I always get the flu this time of year. Surprise? <laughs> you know, they've been planning on it all year. You know, and now it's happened. Proverbs 4. Proverbs 4. Verse 20. This is, this is important to receiving healing or anything, anything from any benefit or blessing from God. My son, attend to my words, incline thine ear unto my sayings. Let them not depart from thy eyes, keep them in the midst of thine heart, for they are life unto those that find them, and health to all their flesh. The Hebrew word translated health is the word medicine. For they are medicine. The word of God is medicine to your flesh. You keep the word in your heart by putting it in your eyes, your ears, and your mouth. It goes on to say, verse 24, Put away from thee a froward mouth and perverse lips Put far from thee. Here comes two more people. Okay? okay. Praise God. The word, the word froward. It says, put away from thee a froward mouth. Come on in. We're just about to finish our second session, so come on in. You're right on time. We had to be with some family this morning. That's okay. And they are important. But our dear friends are going to be in the Yeah, praise God we made it. Amen. Strange because we got a taxi here and the taxi. Well, I'll say. Well, you made it. That's the important thing. 
We're talking about uh, the importance of speaking the Word of God and speaking words that are in agreement with God's Word so we can not only get healed, but we can stay healed. That's what we're We're going through the Bible, looking at scriptures um, is the foundation for the importance of us speaking what God says about us and not talking about all of our symptoms and being in poor health all the time because people who talk about being in poor health, it just continues. So we got to, the way you change what, you know, people say, I, I want to change what I say. I know I'm saying the wrong thing. How can I start speaking the Word of God? Well, you got to change what's in your heart. Jesus said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So when you get your heart changed, you don't have to worry about what's going to come out. The Word will come out. Because you've changed what's in your heart. You, you, you don't see yourself in poor health anymore. You see yourself healed because Jesus has borne our sicknesses and carried our diseases as we've seen in 1 Peter 2.24. So it says in Proverbs 4, Put away from thee a froward mouth. Froward means perverse, uh, turning from something, in this case turning from the Word of God with aversion or reluctance, not willing to yield or comply. Not willing to yield or comply. That's what a froward mouth means. A froward mouth is one that does not yield or comply with the Word of God. Now, I don't think I'm going to finish this, so um, let's, let's, uh, let's just look at Psalm 141. <coughs> Psalm 141. I'm just trying to hit the high points here. This is all over the Bible. Especially Psalms and Proverbs. But it's all in agreement with what James said in the New Testament. We're not even going to get to James. He wrote an entire chapter on the tongue. And the power of the tongue. And here's a CD on the power of the tongue that goes into scriptures I'm not even going to get into today. But, but that will help you. Psalm 141.3, this is David. Set a watch, O Lord, before my mouth. Keep the door of my lips. Keep the door of my lips. Put a watch over my mouth. That needs to be our confession. Lord, put a watch over my mouth. Bring to my remembrance whenever I say something that's not in agreement with your word. Bring it to me. I, I, want, I want to learn. I want the Holy Spirit to make me aware when I'm saying something other than what you say about me. Now, let's turn to... Uh, Let's turn to John 12. John 12. Let's look at how Jesus, how Jesus operated. John 12, 49 and 50. 
Jesus said, For I have not spoken of myself, but the Father which sent me. He gave me a commandment, what I should say and what I should speak. And I know that his commandment is life everlasting. Whatsoever I speak, therefore, even as the Father said to me, so I speak. Jesus only said what the Father told him to say. He said, I only say what the Father tells me to say. So that's the way Jesus operated. He only spoke words that were in agreement with the Word of God. He didn't go around. Can you, can you imagine? I can't imagine this. But can you imagine Jesus saying to his disciples, I'm just dying to go to Bethany, but my feet are killing me. <laughs> can you imagine? I can't even imagine Jesus no. He put lips, perverse lips, were far from him. He did not have a forward mouth. He only said what the Father said. He did not allow ever death to come out of his mouth. Jesus did not speak perverse words. You don't, you don't need to say it either. You hear people say, I'm dying for a cup of tea. I'm dying to go to whatever. You know, I'm... Can, can you say... You, you may say, well, it's not a big deal. But it is a big deal. Because they're, they're programming their spirit. Their spirit's full of that. They're majoring on death and not life. You know, I'm thrilled to death, scared me to death. I'm dying to go. Uh, you know... I, that just killed me when I heard that. You know, because the world speaks that way and Christians have picked it up. And we can't afford to do that because it's killing us the same way it's killing the world. It's bringing calamity and sickness and every all these curses in the world on us and Christians can't figure out where they're coming from. You know, and then they think, oh God sent it to me to teach me something. No, they opened the door with the words of their mouth and they didn't even realize it. And this is the deception where Satan gets into people's affairs and they don't even realize it. So we need to see from the Word of God these principles. Now, have you noticed how often people use the word death to express themselves? Just like I mentioned, scared me to death, thrilled me to death. I'm dying to go. You know, I'm dying for a cup of tea. We don't have to say I'm thrilled to death. We could just say I'm thrilled. I'm thrilled to hear that. You know, I'm thrilled that you're getting to go. You know, we don't have to say we don't. But Satan has injected death into the man's vocabulary to the point where now the lifespan of man is not much more than 70 years. And the Bible promises us that, you know, people say three score and ten years. The church traditionally has been taught that 70 years is the life expectancy of, of a Christian. But if you look at the scriptures, that's the lifespan that God set on the Israelites in the wilderness who were disobedient to Him. 
They would not go to the promised land. They refused to go. They believed the evil report. When Joshua and Caleb said, we can take the land, and they said, no, there's giants over there. We're not going. And so, because they listened to the evil, the negative report, and they did not go to the promised land like God instructed them to, that meant the whole crowd forced the minority, the minority forced the entire crowd to have to stay in the wilderness outside of the will of God. And God said, okay, you don't want to go, then you're not going. And everybody over the year of, of 20 years of age, you're going to die in this place. It's not my will, but you're going to die here because I've got to stay here with you because God had to take care of them. He had to feed them. He had to provide them with water. You know, he had to stay with them. And God says, okay, if you don't want to go and you want to, you're going to stay here, then I'm setting a time limit. I'm setting a time limit on how long I'm willing to stay here with you, and it's going to be 70 years. I'm not staying one day longer. I'm on a timetable. So your, your lifespan is going to be 70 years. So when people, traditionally, the church uses 70 years as a lifespan, that's not talking about the obedient. That's bespoken to the disobedient Israelites. Now, let me now turn to Genesis 6. I'm going to show you a scripture that you've probably never seen before. And I don't want to get too far off down the line, but we're just taking a little side journey here for a second, okay? This is the will of God for <coughs> believers. And if even, even the unbelievers have been able to get over into this, you know, uh, by... It, it's amazing that even ungodly people live to be longer than 70 years, you know. And we got Christians who are not even living to be 70. That's not the will of God. Genesis 6, verse 3. And the Lord said, My spirit shall not always strive with man, for that he also is flesh. Yet his days shall be a hundred and twenty years. This gives us God's, God's plan for the lifespan of man. And Moses lived to be a hundred and twenty and some before him lived even longer, as you know. Uh, I think Job lived to be, I don't know, uh, well over 100, 130 maybe, 139 or something. But this, this is God's lifespan for the obedient. 120 years is what God originally set as a lifespan for man. So you can see how Satan, over thousands and thousands of years, has eroded and cut short this lifespan to now in a generation where we have the highest form of medical technology and medicine, advanced medicine in the history of man, we still have people that don't even live out 70 years. And a lot of it has to do with what we're talking about. People are giving place to the devil. They're opening up the door to Satan to bring all this calamity and sickness and disease in their life through the words of their mouth and they don't even know it. Satan has deceived them. First Peter two and we're gonna I'm gonna try to stop, okay? 
you're probably getting hungry and you've been so you've been so kind and, and uh, patient but but I hope uh, I hope you're that doesn't feed live by bread alone amen amen well thank you so much um, believe it or not I'm skipping out a whole lot I'm just trying to um, but this this is such a good Sorry, Bob, what should that scripture again first uh, Peter 2 20 first Peter 2. First Peter two. This is so good. First twenty two. Now this is Peter. Uh, Peter talking about Jesus. In verse twenty one, he says, "For even hereunto were you called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that ye should follow his steps." Now he's telling us. One of the ways we can follow the steps of Jesus. Verse 22. Who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth. Do you suppose that the fact that Jesus never sinned, do you suppose the fact that he never was sick, had anything to do with the words of his mouth. It says no guile was found in his mouth. Now the word guile means cunning, deceit or deception, to disguise craftily, words intended to deceive. Jesus did not speak words that deceived his own spirit. That's why he, had, he spoke with such authority. That's why when he spoke to the wind, it stopped. That's why he spoke to the fig tree, it dried up. That's why he spoke to the demons, they came out. Because he wasn't used, he didn't talk like the world talked. He didn't say that thrilled me to death, that tickled to death. You know, I, I'm dying to go. It says, no guile was found in his mouth. He, his spirit was not deceived. He didn't deceive his spirit. Therefore, he believed his words would come to pass. When he spoke to the wind, he knew it would obey him. When he spoke to the tree, he knew it would obey him. And that's why you can do the same thing. When you get to the place where you start speaking the word of God, you, you're not speaking this death and destruction and talking about poor health all the time and you begin to put the word of God in there when you speak your spirit is going to know that you mean what you say because if you constantly say things that you don't mean and this is the people say well I didn't really mean it I understand they didn't mean it but nevertheless it confuses their spirit to the point where their spirit doesn't know whether what they're saying is what they mean or not. So when you, when you speak to sickness and disease and you command it to leave your body, when you speak to the wind or you speak to this problem, your spirit doesn't know whether you mean it because you've been spending all your time saying things that you don't mean. So you program your spirit. Now it's divided. It's confused. 
do they really do they really want to be healed or did are they really sick you know what I mean because they're speaking two different things and this is the importance of understanding this principle many people are deceiving their spirit their spirits confused they don't know whether they want to be well or they want to be sick because their spirits divided they cannot release any faith in their words because they're constantly saying things they don't mean Jesus only said what he meant he said I only say what my father tells me to say this is why it says there was no guile found in him now so with your words you can confuse and deceive your own body to some extent your body has the ability to heal itself we've already talked about the immune system Proverbs 13 3 he who guards his mouth keeps his life this is why confession of God's Word is so important it literally builds into your immune system God's supernatural defense against the disease process that would try to set itself up in your body now the best time to start this is when you're well okay it's, it's good if you've got symptoms and you're fighting symptoms in your body and the doctor's giving you a bad report by all means start confessing the word and I have prepared something here for you that will help you get started you don't even have to I've done all the homework for you this is not by any means every healing scripture in the Bible but this is a lot of them it just wasn't space to get all of them on here but I've done the homework for you and you can take this and you start saying what God's Word says about you I've got the scriptures underneath all of them so I didn't make all this up I have paraphrased some of them just to shorten because of space but it's a lot easier to fight the devil when you feel good than when you feel bad if you're already sick by all means start confessing the Word of God but the best time to do it is when you're well because a whole lot easier to fight the devil when you feel good than when you got a high fever and you're in pain and you're hurting and your body just wants to go lay down somewhere you know but start when you're well that's that's uh, kind of my prescription don't wait till you're sick but if you already are it can be turned around speaking God's Word will drive that sickness and disease out of your body I don't do you know Joel Osteen you know Joel Osteen He's a pastor of probably the largest church in America. And his mother, um, who, she's, his father was a prominent minister who started this church. She was uh, diagnosed with uh, yeah, metastatic adenocarcinoma of the liver. She was given five weeks to live. They didn't even offer to treat her, just sent her home. She went home and she sat down and she began to look up scriptures on healing. Uh, and she wrote a book about it. She went home. She's, she said she did not sit around in her pajamas all day. She got up. She got dressed just like she was going out. Her family did not treat her like she was sick. She didn't really do anything different except she began to sit down and she began to speak God's word what God's Word said about healing over her body and this was what 20 something years ago 
and she's still going strong. She sits on the front row of his church every single Sunday. And she wrote a book called Healed of Cancer. And this is how she did it. She went home and she began to speak the word of God and it drove cancer out of her body. But she, she also had a lot of people praying for her, but this, this is not for the faint-hearted, okay? But I'm just telling you, the word works. The word works. And there's many, many testimonies. And you're going to hear one in a little while from Anne. And she'll be sharing with you as well. So, the word works. There's a direct connection between the word you speak and the quality of your life. Uh, let's finish off with 1 Peter. I think we're still there, aren't we? 1 Peter 3. We're going to finish with this scripture. 1 Peter 3.10. I mean, this sums it up right here. I mean, this is it. This is a prescription for living long and living strong. For he that will love life and see good days. How many people love life and want to see good days? Okay? He's going to tell us what to do. For uh, he that will love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil or negative things, and his lips that they speak no guile. If you want to see good days, if you want to love life, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips that they speak no guile. It's very obvious the connection between the length of your days. The Bible is very, very clear. Many more scriptures I didn't even get to. And a lot of them are on that CD that I didn't even get to. The Bible makes it very clear. There are things we can do on this earth to lengthen our days, and there are things we can do on this earth to shorten our days. And the book of Proverbs especially talks a whole lot about that. And there's more on that teaching there about that. Now, let's confess this together. Holy Spirit, I yield my tongue to you. I give my tongue to you. I give you permission. I give you permission to bring to my attention. To bring to my attention words that are destructive. Words that are destructive. That are contrary to your word. That are contrary to your word. And contrary to what I desire. And contrary to what I desire. Set a watch, O Lord. Before my mouth. Before my mouth. Keep the door of my lips. Keep the door of my lips. Let the words of my mouth. the words of my mouth. And the meditation of my heart. meditation of my heart. Be acceptable in your sight. Be acceptable in your sight.